Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. A recall on 52 million airbags. Well, that sucks. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC, good morning. I missed this story when it came out the other day. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration seeking to recall 52 million airbag inflators by auto suppliers ARC Automotive. I don't know if they pronounce it ARC or just call it ARC. And Delphi Automotive. Fears that they could explode and hurl shrapnel. This recall started back in May. Again, I don't remember, I don't even know if we talked about it. Two people have been killed in the US and Canada. Seven others have been hurt as a result of the defective ARC inflators. GM, Ford, Stellantis, Tesla, Toyota, and Volkswagen. These are used in vehicles from 2000 through early 2018. And that's just some of the automakers, 12 automakers in all. Um, that's crazy town. I'm always I'm always fascinated by how it happens. I'm fascinated by how we we respond to it. It really is something. Fifty-two million is a, a, a fair amount, people. A fair amount. Then there was this story. The Indy Star had it, and you're like, Tony, seriously? Trust me, go with this. First Merchants Bank moving headquarters from Carmel to Indianapolis. And I looked at that, I said, who in the world is going from Carmel to Indianapolis? Downtown Indy is getting its resurgence? Wait a second, what's going on? Not downtown Indy. A touch misleading. So uh, First Merchants, the largest central Indiana-based bank, as they describe it, is moving its regional headquarters from Carmel to northeast Indianapolis near the fashion mall at Keystone. With all due respect, technically Indianapolis, not Indianapolis. They didn't come downtown. They bought 73,000 square feet off uh, River Crossing Boulevard, the former headquarters of Duke Realty. Quote, this was a financially unique opportunity to acquire a state-of-the-art building at its price significantly below alternatives in the market, including our current location per square foot. This this is a, a story um, not of, oh, look how, how well Indianapolis is doing. Everyone wants to come back. This is a story of, oh, look how cheap everything is in Indianapolis. We scored a deal. They're not wrong. Smart move. Just just saying that it's 
It isn't how the headline puts it. There's a, I, there's a deeper, deeper context of what's going on and what's going wrong in the market, specifically in Indianapolis. And then there is the story of the Imagination Library. Now, you guys know I'm a fellow of the Mitch Daniels Leadership Foundation. And um, the people who were involved in it in the beginning are people that I, I, I know and I, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Uh, when I went through uh, the program, it was during COVID, and, and I've been very clear. I don't think they handled it well. They very much seem to have righted uh, uh, their their ship over there and, and uh, a new executive a director and really a new leadership that remembers that leadership as Mitch Daniels goes through it and isn't uh, about uh, ascribing to uh, the the whims of the day, but rather to the needs of the future. What is leadership? How do we get uh, to o- over the next hill? And do we have anybody looking over the next hill or even curious about it? That's leadership. We should get into this conversation. Well, when you when you do these th- these things, when you're a fellow, you you end the year with what they now call a capstone, which is what what is a project? What is something you think you can bring to the state um, to, to to help it uh, be be better? And people have all different kinds of projects, and I had pitched uh, mine to which uh, I I think about it often, and, and maybe ways to to maneuver it. Well, somebody in, in one of the previous classes, so I was in the third class, um, had pitched the idea of this this imagination library, which actually comes from Dolly Parton. And it provides books to children who are between the ages of zero and five. Regardless of fan, family income, it's about the idea of expanding reading. And there was one of the people from an earlier class who was like, I, I want to expand this. In, in the state of Indiana. And then some of the people from, from, from my class um, got involved in how do we expand this out? And, and now um, they are working with the state to expand this to every single county in, in the state of Indiana. It's very, very cool. Now, uh, someone could say, yeah, but the cost, oh, wait, the state shouldn't be involved. And you can argue that all you will. I would argue that uh, regardless of your political perspective, we are all better off if every kid in the state of Indiana can read. We are better off trying to approach 100% literacy. Now, they'll always tell you Cuba's got 100% literacy. Yeah, but then they're telling you what you can and can't read. It's really different. We should say, this is something we can approach. This is something we can put a couple bucks behind. This is something... We, we can build. Um, very, very um, thrilled with uh, the people who are part of this, who were able to kind of make it happen. Impressive. Impressive uh, every, every step of the way. And uh, to those people, good on you. Mazel tov. Well done. Well played. I like, I like seeing the success. Gives people hope. Go try and do something good. You can be successful. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning.
Mitch McConnell has spoken. Mitch McConnell isn't going anywhere. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Never mind the neurological issues, which I'm making an assumption there as he stares off into space during press conferences. Um, he's not leaving. He's not going. And at the press gaggle uh, there uh, with the U.S. Senate, he says he's finishing his term. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Respectfully, can you tell us what is afflicting you and describe, characterize what is the level of transparency that the people of Kentucky deserve to hear about your condition? That's Chad Pergram asking the question, and that's, that is directly to it. Well done, well asked, well said. Here goes McConnell. Well, I think Dr. Monahan covered. We'd like to hear from you. I know you are hearing from me. I think Dr. Monahan covered the subject fully. You had a chance to read it. I don't have anything to add to it, and uh, I think it should answer any reasonable question. But he ruled things in. He didn't rule things. He ruled things out. He didn't tell us what it might have been. Do you know what it is? <laughs> You've had all these evaluations. What have doctors said is the precise medical reason for those two freeze-ups? What Dr. Monahan's report addressed was concerns people might have that some things that happened to me did happen. They didn't. And really, I have nothing to add to that. I think he pretty well covered the subject. The doctor said it was dehydration. We watched you. We don't believe you. We don't believe the doctor. No one believes it. Dehydration leads to just a an inability to speak, staring off uh, in, in into space instead of answering a question. That's not really. That's not really uh, answering the question. The questions continue though. What do you say to those who are calling on you to step down? Do you have any plans to retire anytime soon? <laughs> I have no announcements to make on that subject. But what do you say to those who are... I, I'm going to finish my term as leader, and I'm going to finish my Senate term. Thank you. And then he walks off. I got to tell you, that wasn't the best presentation. He's got Thune behind him. He's got Barrasso behind him, uh, uh, Dakota and, and, and Wyoming, respectfully. Um, Mitch McConnell doesn't come across great there. And saying that he's going to finish his term, is that a way of signaling that this is it? That this is the end? If the people of Kentucky want to keep electing him, they're more than welcome to. I think they're wrong. If Republicans are going to allow him to be leader, they're crazy. It's enough. Just like it's enough for John Fetterman. Just like it's enough for Dianne Feinstein. Just like it's enough for Joe Biden. It's enough. If the Republicans keep letting him be the leader, they're nuts. They are nuts. I wanted to share that with you, but it's not even the story. That's not the popcorn moment. Let's go, let's go, let's go. 
It's a story you need to hear to believe, then grab your popcorn because there is more. Nicole Wallace. Wasn't she part of Team McCain? And then all of a sudden, uh, oh, the Republican Party isn't what it used to be. Well, uh, I don't know what it used to be. Uh, And now, now she has the show on MSNBC. And she's, there's a lot of vindictiveness. There's a lot of ugly. There's a lot of evil in in, in cable news and out there in, in general. And then there is the standard talking point where what they're doing is instigating the violence. Now, maybe you say, hey, people make their own decisions. That's exactly what I believe. But listen. Supposed to be that repudiation. She won by 11 points. Right. And what I find so perverse in all of this, the dark, dark comedy of it all, is that they're impeaching her on the grounds that she promised to save democracy in Wisconsin. The reason yeah. for yeah yeah no I mean look to your point th- this is my it is not the Democratic Party's fault that we're here but they're the only ones that can save us and the Democratic Party's response to all the voter suppression laws is well we'll just we'll just educate our voters we'll turn them out is to is to adjust is to adapt and that's what the brain does right when it's when it's hit it adapts it makes adjustments right. but it seems like it's a good moment to go to the country with this bigger argument about the Republican Party and in terms of numbers as the largest anti-democratic force on the planet. And can we just stop? The Republican Party is the largest anti-democratic force on the planet. Not the Taliban, not Boko Haram, not uh, the Iranian regime, not the regime in Cuba, not Nicolas Maduro, not Xi Jinping and the Communist Chinese Party, not Vladimir Putin, not Kim Jong-un. The Republican Party. Look, I can handle disagreement as much as the next guy, and I can tell you how socialism doesn't work, and I engage from a historical perspective. I can explain to you that democratic socialists are communists, and I can come out victorious. I can explain to you clearly that anybody who follows the thought process of Bernie Sanders and thinks it has value cannot provide value to a society. I can explain how we've got a communist running for the Indianapolis City County Council in District 13 there, and why you have to elect Libby Glass, the libertarian Republicans didn't even run anybody you can't let communists onto your city county council and the democratic party knows it well you would hope but the republican party the republican party the country with this bigger argument about the republican party and in terms of numbers as the largest anti-democratic force on the planet that's criminally stupid but worse it's dangerous you want to talk about instigating? You want to talk about trying to give people a an idea of moral superiority and carte blanche? Well, Republicans are a threat to democracy. It doesn't matter what we do to them because what we're doing is righteous and just. I mean, if we're going to burn it all down, it's Daenerys Targaryen. I could burn down King's Landing because what I'm doing is righteous and just. Holy just in case you were wondering how bad it is. And if you were wondering exactly how twisted MSNBC is, there you go.
Hunter Biden will be indicted. No, no, no. What they're saying is Hunter Biden will be indicted. We have absolutely no idea if that's going to happen. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. This is uh, the special counsel, David Weiss, saying that he intends to seek an indictment against Hunter relating to gun charges. Of course, the gun charge was part of the famous uh, sweetheart plea deal, which everybody knows was a sweetheart plea deal that you couldn't get, Kodak Black didn't get, lying on a federal forum to purchase a firearm? Lying. That's a, that's a, that's a crime. You go to jail for that. Not if you're Hunter Biden. No, no, no. Then you get a pretrial diversion. That That's what you get right there. So this was part of the plea deal. The plea deal gets uh, torn asunder because, well, uh, the lawyers were trying to pull a fast one on the judge. I don't know why she isn't angrier about that. The tax charges get dismissed, and they were only brought forward because of whistleblowers. If it wasn't for the whistleblowers, there would have been no charges on, uh, uh, on the not paying of taxes, on the lying about your taxes. That would have just gone away, and sure enough, it's, that, that's been dismissed. But the gun charge and the Biden, uh, the Hunter Biden legal team says, well, we've got a plea deal in place. And the DOJ is like, there's no plea deal. And so now there has to be a uh, an indictment by Friday, September 29th, because the Speedy Trial Act requires this. This, according to the special counsel's office, that in a court filing. So when people say, ooh, Hunter's going to get indicted. No, 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 no. David Weiss, the special counsel, is going to seek the indictment from a grand jury. The problem is David Weiss can't be trusted. David Weiss has a long history of working with Bo Biden, Hunter Biden's late brother. Clearly working within Democratic uh, circles. What makes anybody think that the grand jury is going to bring back an indictment on Hunter Biden? Why would we think this is going to happen? It's a great example of uh, what could very well be the two-tiered justice system. I want the indictment to come because what Hunter did is wrong. Don't care if you like him. Don't care if you hate Trump. What does Trump have to do with anything? Trump has nothing to do with Hunter Biden lying on a forum. Don't worry. Somebody at MSNBC will connect the two, but neither here nor there. Rational people know that Donald Trump has nothing to do with this. He committed this crime. He should have to face the consequences of doing so. Innocent until proven guilty, fine. At least indict him. At least bring the charges. But I don't believe it's going to happen. I want it to happen. I don't believe it is going to happen. I don't. I don't know why I I, I, I would. I don't know why anybody would, would think that, yeah, it's just going to happen. They'll be ridiculous. I, I've watched too many of these things, and so have you. But if you're going to watch anything, watch this. Watch what happens here. If indeed the indictment comes down, well, I want to read the indictment, but okay. Well, look at that. What do you know? It wouldn't stop me, and you could argue that it's, it's cynical of me, but I, I've seen enough to know that I don't know how it's going to all play out, but I would bet you dollars to donuts it'd be different if I was the one being indicted or if you were. 
But if there's no indictment, it, it, what will that say? So instead of me pre-thinking it too much, September 29th, okay. We need an indictment by then. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. I share with you right now the words of New York Mayor Eric Adams. Oh, God! No, 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 no. You, you, you want to hear this. OMG. Are you kidding me right now? I, 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 I am not. I am not. You, you will not believe it because the Democratic mayor of New York is making perfect sense. Oh, hot, 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 hot. Hot, 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 hot. That's hot. Not a hot, not a hot take. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. What I'm saying is that what he is saying, you're going to agree with. And you can't worry about the politics. You just got to get over that. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? All right, you might be taking it to an extreme. This is Eric Adams at an event in New York discussing the issue they're having with with illegal immigrants, the migrant issue. And it is very clear and very obvious that the state of Texas and Governor Greg Abbott and uh, then uh, Governor Doug Ducey and even uh, Governor Ron DeSantis were all correct in a conversation we've been having here for years. Illegal immigration is not a Texas issue. It's not a southern border issue. It's an American issue. And the federal government is not handling this. The failure is everywhere. The failure is everywhere. And when uh, people like Representative Ocasio-Cortez don't go down to the border when Joe Biden is president, it's a reminder that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez hates brown children. When Trump was president, she's at the border dressed in white crying. She's not even at a spot at the border where, where there are people being processed. Oh, the children are in cages. She doesn't care about those kids. And I know this because she hasn't gone back when Biden's president and the same things are happening. She doesn't care about brown children. Tony Katz says so. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does not care about brown children. Fact. Not because I say so, but because she shows it so every single day. The border is an issue. We're going to be doing Border Week uh, on Tony Katz today. Uh, we are putting together the interviews. It's going to be something else. We're going to be going through the facts, the data, the policy, what has worked, what hasn't worked, why we need to make changes, and how those changes need to be multifold across a number of, of, of different facets. But I want you to hear Eric Adams in his own words, because rarely do you hear something, well, as clearly as, as this. Support and let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. 
One time we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador. Now we're getting Russian speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. And so I say to you, as I turn it over to you, this is some, some of the most educated, some of the most knowledgeable, probably more of my commissioners and deputy commissioners and chiefs live in this community. So as you ask me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say, we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do and they're destroying New York City? It's gonna to come to your neighborhoods. All of us are gonna be impacted by this. I said it last year when we had 15,000. I'm telling you now, with 110,000, the city we knew, we're about to lose. And we're all in this together, all of us. Staten Island saying, send them out to Manhattan. Manhattan is saying, send them out to Queens. Queens is saying, send them out to Brooklyn. No, it's not the game we can play. No, it's not. Now, I I would tell uh, Mayor Adams if I was in a quasi-vindictive mood, you should have been listening to the political right for the last 20 years. Of course, this can't work. Of course, this is a problem. But you can equally argue that for the past 20 years, the political right has not done enough to solve the problem. We didn't put forth legislation enough. We didn't force it enough. We didn't punch back at the political left when they said, you don't care about children. We did not tell members of Congress, Democrats in Congress, on national TV to go to hell. You didn't interrupt people while they were doing their stand-ups in the Capitol on CNN and call them liars and frauds, and they don't care about kids in the United States. Never mind how Representative Ocasio-Cortez doesn't care about brown children at all. Here's the policy. Here's what we need to do. Here's a step. Let's do it. Let's believe in a border. You did not castigate, excoriate, and shame the people who don't believe in borders at all, which is the Progressive Caucus, because they don't believe in borders at all. I don't want to scream and yell. And I don't want to hear anybody else screaming and yelling. We have the moment. Everybody now gets it because Governor Greg Abbott and others demanded that you get it. You get it now. Good. You showed up late to the party. That's all right. You're here now. Grab some punch and let's figure this thing out. Let's start with the legislation that ensures that we get to keep the nation and puts an end to this madness. Forget the NGOs. Let them sue. We have a nation to protect. Let's go do it. And the people who don't believe in protecting the nation, don't vote for these people. These people are garbage, whether they're right here in Indianapolis, there in New York, or anywhere else in the country.